when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello and welcome to another episode of STT Rewind. I'm your host, Owen Hughes, co-editor of setthetapes.com and I'm joined by site writer and podcast regular Steve Norman for a chat about film, TV and all that other stuff. Coming up in the programme, in part one, we discuss the living daylights out of Boyle and Bond. Should the franchise live or be left to die? We also wonder who cares at all about box office earnings as Solo underperforms. Part 2 jumps to TV with the news that The Simpsons creator's newest animated show will debut on Netflix this August. Just where did it all go wrong for the lovable Yellow family? Matt Latham returns for cassette tape focusing on a favourite festival before Freeplay goes global ahead of the FIFA Football World Cup. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to our listeners and to you, Steve, for part one of this week's episode of STT Rewind. As ever, we're starting the show with our film section, and I'm beginning with a question, Steve. How do you like your martini? Um, out of a hat. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I ask because we are recording when the news that Danny Boyle has been confirmed as the next Bond director, is still fresh in our news feeds. Um, well, semi, semi-fresh, semi isn't it? It's not that new, I guess. It's been out a, bit, a, bit, a few days now, but yeah. it's more it's more akin to that bit of shelf in like a supermarket that's got, you know, the yellow discounted price sticker on it. The shelf space that's like reserved for stuff that's just about to go off, but it's still usable. I think that's what I was chatting about. Daniel Boyle's Bond is. But nevertheless, Boyle, Bond, good combo. What do you think? Um, I think I've said across this podcast and others before not the biggest bond fan i don't i don't get it um mm-hmm. danny boyle is an excellent director james bond is a big franchise what's yeah. what is he going to do that's different to normal bond films um will his style lend itself to a bond film um who knows really i mean we've seen Sort of good, exciting directors take on other projects in franchises recently, like Rian Johnson with The Last Jedi, and, and perhaps not get the tone quite right. 
Um, mm. So, mm. so maybe that is something that um, Bond producers need to be wary of. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's in theory, it's a good pairing. But like I just said, there's been other pairings in theory which are good and in practice haven't been. That sounds like I'm being negative. It might work really well. It might uh, attract new fans to the Bond franchise. Danny Boyle as a director. I mean, I do like Danny Boyle's work. I really enjoyed um, T2 Train Spotting last year. I thought that was just a fantastic movie, um, which dealt with lots of themes around uh, nostalgia, um, you know, unsurprisingly. But it, it, hand, it dealt with them in a deft sort of way rather than just saying, do you remember... You know, do you remember Train Spotting One? You remember these people? I think it actually had something to say about that. So I think he's quite a canny um, director, someone who can can make a film that has a statement. I just don't know what that would be from what I've seen in Danny Boyle's previous movies to tie into James Bond as a as a franchise, like coming in mm. at this point. Hasn't he got a little bit of experience with Bond from doing the Olympics opening ceremony? <laughs> he does, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there is that. Uh, maybe that's what it'll be. It'll be more sort of stunty James Bond, just doing all kinds of things, jumping out of helicopters with the Queen and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's got a, a very recognisable pace to his movies, hasn't he, Danny Boyle? There's yeah. a lot of little ticks and, and things that you could, uh, well, I guess motifs, if you want to use the proper word. Yeah. You can, you know, spot in all of his movies that, that ties them all together, that makes it identifiably um, a Danny Boyle film. I just can't get excited about this. And I think it's mainly because it is James Bond, because it is that old chauvinistic kind of spy. And it doesn't matter how much they try to make him a Bond for the noughties, by giving him all kinds of problems, making him ache and feel tired and not get up from punches so quickly and all that kind of jazz. It's just not not for me, I don't No, think. I mean, I think the biggest thing about Bond now is, is kind of the, the world we're in. Um, you kind of have to re- remove the, sh- the chauvinism from it, mm. um, which is probably the biggest... Um, biggest thing from Bond that is problematic uh, going in this in, in this era we're in now um, kind of mealy mouth putting you know working my way around this but it's not it's not a wrong thing to do to get rid of that because when you look back that kind of thing is wrong um, mm. it, it, but it is archetypal Bond it is you know part of what bond is and it's removed it's, it's, remo- the- it's removing that without making it obvious or it's, you know without you know it's got i don't know but that that's one thing that needs to be removed from bond films i didn't really see it much in the last one i don't think um no it was but i mean it, the, there were still those criticisms of it and i think it's one of those, those things that is it's been there through bond history but i don't think it's always been quite as accepted uh, you know, not everyone accepted the fact that Bond was this sleazy, womanising super spy. Mm. Um, you know, I, I did a bit of research about this last year, and Doctor No debuted in 1962, which is one year prior to uh, a feminist author, a very prominent feminist author, Betty Friedan. Um, she wrote about femininity and uh, in American women and being a target and a victim of the sexual cell, yeah, which is a, a sort of quite anyway second wave feminism thing. But she she was tackling objectification of women 
in US mainstream media at the same time as Sean Connery was bidding Hoodie Rider, you know, yeah. played by sex symbol Ursula Andress. Mm. And I don't think it's really ever been one of those things that's totally accepted. It's probably been more accepted in the mainstream um, slightly less so now. And all of this is aside, I'm not accusing Danny Boyle of, you know, stepping into this film to make that sort of bond. I, ha I have more trust in him taking apart something like that um, than just retreading steps of sleazy Bond, who's a bit, oh, he does still womanise, but he's not as happy about womanising anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got a bit of, of guilt after doing it now instead of, like, uh, the, the guy in Kingsman who whose prize was to have a special kind of intercourse mm. with with uh, the, the woman he saved, which was a brilliant... I thought, you know, as controversial as that scene was in Kingsman, the first Kingsman film, um, I thought that was a brilliant send-up of those old sleazy Bond films. And that's what it was intended on being, wasn't it? It wasn't... Yeah. It was intended to send up Bond. It wasn't intended to, to I don't know, sort of be a... Serious, yeah, taken you know, seriously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The whole joke about that was that's what Bond would have got up to. Yeah. Uh, in the olden, um, olden films, you know. Yeah. But I'm sure. Yeah. But anyway, so Dan Danny Boyle, I have more faith in him, um, but not so much in uh, it being a great movie. Uh, it just doesn't doesn't. But when when was the last great Bond film? When was the last? When was the last? <laughs> Bond film that a Bond fan would go. That was a great Bond. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because I re I did really uh, enjoy Skyfall the first time round when I saw that in a cinema. I thought that was a really good cinematic movie, and Sam Mendes was a great director for that. Um, but most like hardcore Bond fans weren't very impressed with it. No. Whereas they seem to prefer Spectre, which I found really tedious. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Probably wasn't one of the Pierce Brosnan films, though. No. Uh, no, unless it was Goldeneye. Um, but also, anyway, so we've also got uh, another set, another series that's been added to the website this week, uh, which is Callum Petch's box office premiership, which got off to a flyer as staff at Set the Tape guessed how much money Solo would make at the box office. And most of us were way off. Uh, at time of recording, so we're recording this on Monday, um, Solo is estimated to pull in around 83 84 million dollars domestically which will uh make it memorial day's top domestic earner but the caveat is disney had expected it to make closer to 130 to 150 million so it's you know it's almost half as much as it was expected to make and it fared better internationally, earning 168 million, but again was way off the mark as it was expected to top 300 million dollars. But ultimately, who cares, Steve? Who cares really? Disney executives, maybe. But for fans, doesn't really matter, does it? How no. much it earns in the box office? No. Uh, well, yes and no, because if it doesn't earn enough, they won't make more. I mean, they will always make more, or they will make more of the Skywalker saga franchise bit. Um, yeah, that that will continue as long as they want it to, and that will always pull in money. But these um, solo, for lack of, you know, for, mm -hmm. forgive the pun, solo stories that aren't, uh, you know, just tangibly yeah. connected to the main films. Um, if they don't make good money, they'll stop doing them. Um, I saw Solo, 
and it, mm-hmm. it was fine. It was a solid six out yeah. of ten uh, popcorn film. It didn't need. It's a film and a story that didn't need to be told or made. Um, quite apprehensive going into it, seeing the trailers and every, well, some of the trailers looked quite good, some didn't. Um, I think everybody has to stop listening when there's uh, problems in production now leading it to, to think something being bad. Yeah. Because there was stories about Rogue One, that was brilliant. There were stories about Ant-Man, that was very good. There's you know quite a few films now that be, oh, the director's been replaced or there's been problems in production, they've all been called in for reshoots. And a lot of these films turn out pretty good. So I think everyone just needs to stop listening to that and just watch the final proje- uh, final product. Um Star Wars, the solo, uh, solo, a Star Wars story. I thought it was, it was good. The guy playing Han Solo, um, whose name I can't. Alden Ehrenreich. That's, that's him. He, yeah. he was very good. Um, mm-hmm. Donald Glover stole the show as Lando. He was fantastic. Chewbacca was great. Um, uh, the, the droid was hit and miss with with their joke, kind of social uh, justice warrior droid. Um, very hit and miss. Um, Woody Harrelson's character's kind of Han's mentor. Good. Okay, villain. Your one from Game of Thrones is a terrible actress. <laughs> Amelia Clark. Yeah, she is abysmal at acting. Um, but no, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it was fun. Um, it had a lot of nice callbacks to other Star Wars media and the main trilogy. Um, it sets up for more films in that franchise that I wouldn't mind seeing, although I wouldn't be upset if they didn't go back to those kind of characters at that time. Um, but if mm-hmm. they do, I'd be more than happy to watch it. it. It's definitely worth a watch, and it's much better than what I thought it would be, but it is like a 6 out of 10 uh, uh, film. And you weren't at all bothered about the box office? Uh, you weren't no. sitting there in your chair thinking, well, this won't make 160 million? No, no. the only no. thing is, retrospectively, if they'll stop making these um, you know, side projects, as it were, um, but there's there's plenty in the pipeline, by the sounds of it, but it's if the poor takings for this one stop them making more of them. I mean, it's, uh, it isn't necessarily a poor taking. It's just less than what they expected it to make. Yeah. Which maybe says the issue isn't so much with the people paying the money to go and see the film, but with Disney overestimating their property. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I doubt they'll stop making them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Part two, and we are on to TV. I'm sure everyone and their dog will have binged through season five of Arrested Development by now. Um, we've got a stack of articles up on setthetape.com from a who's who guide to more in-depth stuff. But 
such is the way these shows work. Uh, by the time this episode of our podcast is published, I'm sure Arrested Development will be old news. Uh, instead, let's talk a little bit about Matt Groening. Graining. Matt, the guy behind The Simpsons. Groening. Graining. I don't know. I'm not settled on either one yet. I think it's Groening. How you pronounce his surname? It, it doesn't matter. Everyone knows what you're talking about. Everyone knows who I'm talking yeah. about. Good. Yeah. Uh, we had the announcement recently that Enchantment will be released on Netflix in August. That's uh, Matt Groening, Groening's uh, uh, of The Simpsons and Future Armor fame. It's it's his new adult focused fantasy series. I think I heard it described as uh, excited. Steve. Um. No. Not at all. Not, not even a no. After it. the way that The Simpsons and latter Future Armor fell right off a cliff in terms of quality, just yeah. not really interested anymore in, in his output. Maybe him doing something fresh will reinvigorate him and you know give yeah. that's good output. But I'm I'm not looking forward to it. I'll probably watch it at some point. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be clear about this though, right? Early Simpsons, up to say season nine. I'd say between is, season two and season nine, yeah, is yeah, is, is like just some of the most fantastic sitcom writing you'll see. Yeah, it's just incredible. Um, Future Armor seasons one to three. Yeah, again, just immense TV. Like in terms of sci-fi comedy, there are a few shows that nail it quite like Future Armor does. Mm. But after those, after that point, after season nine of The Simpsons. After season three of Futurama, the quality just dwindles further and further, doesn't it? I, d I don't get why The Simpsons has kept going for so long. It's like the characters, especially Homer, has become a parody of himself, and and he yeah, and yeah. he's just an ass now. You can you can watch like the early episodes of The Simpsons and see how it's all formed around a family unit, mm. and it's all about uh, you know they're all good natured people really and. They have to deal with real problems, but obviously in a very extenuated situation, mm. exaggerated situations. But they just lost the focus of it, I think. I think part of what happened was Family Guy became super popular and it kind of changed The Simpsons. I think Family Guy's um, popularity rise shifted The Simpsons into more random, in inverted comments, and, and crazy... Uh, Mm. scenarios and situations and like you say homer just became an unlikable goof yeah oaf i mean who, early family who, guy yeah. before it got cancelled was more like uh the simpsons it was more pg wasn't it there was there was less swearing or no swearing there was sort of no crudeness in there or not much crudeness and then it got cancelled and they came back and seemed to ramp it up so whereas family guy i remember when it first came on on sort of sky one years ago it was mm -hmm. shown sort of the same time as the simpsons and now you can't really get a shed away with showing it pre-watershed no, and they and right. they changed the tone of it massively and the simpsons have, have tried to emulate that in some ways but they can't if they're not gonna uh, to go post-watershed um and they can't really but I just don't get why they don't stop because it's just, just not, I don't know who's watching it. I don't know what people who are watching it getting out of it. I don't know what the, um, you know, who it's for anymore. It's just a parody of itself. It's just not good. It still keeps making money though, hand over fist. So I think they're not going to stop whilst it's still doing that. I think that even if the, the comedy series 
uh, you know, the TV show's quality has dropped dramatically. They must make so much money still on, um, you know, all kinds of different merchandise from lunch boxes to T-shirts to, uh, you know, everything. Or toys, figurines, comics that come out, um, computer games, uh, mobile games, everything. Just it's just a juggernaut that's that's not going to stop just because the quality of the show is universally panned. Um, and even when they get the odd episode these days that's, you know, praised, it's still, you watch it and it's it's still not good. It, it's, the whole premise of an episode seems to be hinged around which celebrity cameo is going to be on today. And that's it. Yeah. You know, celebrity guests appearing in sitcoms isn't a new thing, but it has always been an indicator of this has completely run its course. It's got no idea what it wants to do anymore. Um, you know, the whole ep- joke from the uh, episodes of South Park was, uh, you know, Simpsons did it. Yeah. And I think that's the problem for the Simpsons. Simpsons did it. They did it when they had a team of good writers. Mm. And now that they don't have that team together anymore, um, all those people have run out of ideas. All the people bringing new ideas have got no idea about the Simpsons and what makes it good. It's just... It's just gone. It's fallen it, to pieces. And it didn't matter that The Simpsons wasn't uh, perhaps edgy or rude no. or like South Park or Family Guy. And it, it had a lot more charm than both of those, which is one of the, the, the appeals of it. Yeah. There was genuinely some quite touching moments in, in peak uh, Simpsons. Um, I'm sure if we had more time, we could reel a load off. But there's you know some genuinely touching moments that in some ways you think of no right being in a animated comedy well i could just say do it for her and, yeah you know, there's going to be people listening that are going to just suddenly have a a, a tear mm. appear in the corner of her eye or homer sitting on his bonnet when his mum goes missing again looking yeah, at the stars exactly. and everything um yeah. those kind of goosebumps, things goosebumps steve yeah. goosebumps that's what's happening but you're right where has that heart gone mm. and i don't think they care no the heart the heart's come out of it but they're not interested because they must still be coining it in um, what's your favorite but, what's your favorite simpsons episode off the top of your head um ooh my favorite uh, you know i quite, i'm weird in that i like some of the halloween ones yeah i love little gags in those i think they're full of such like wonderful little puns you know uh is this the end for zombie shakespeare mm. um y- you know when homer shoots zombie flanders and he says uh flanders was a zombie and you know just little little lines like that i yeah. always love i'm a i'm a big fan of lemon is it lemon of troy where uh shelbyville steal the lemon tree yes oh, yeah god that's fantastic yeah. yeah i always use lines from the suit i know it's like one of those annoying cliches that people yeah. do but you know when when a character who's kind of peripheral dies in a tv show i always say not lenny um, <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you still it's you just... can still watch it now. Like some of the there, there are apparently, and I'm sure there's lists that people have done online of of good episodes post season ten or fifteen or twenty. And I'm sure there is the odd one or two which are good. I'd be damned yeah. if I'm going to find them. Yeah, do you know what the turning point I think was? It was when they did the reboot of Homer and Marge's youth, and they set it to the nineties. Yeah, and it was when don't, Homer don't was touch, like in a don't touch the history side. I mean, you've got Grandpa Simpson who fought in World War Two. Now, now, what war would he have fought in? Yeah, you know, he can't yeah. have, he can't really have fought in World War Two now. Um, don't go back and wreck on the the history because some of the best episodes are, are looking back at the past. 
Yeah. In in The Simpsons, you know, the, the B sharps and everything. Exactly, exactly. Do you know how old um, Bart Simpson would be now? In like if thirty something. Thirty six. Yeah. He 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 would be the same age now as Marge was when the show because started. Wasn't it a couple of um, years ago where it was it was actually the date of, of Lisa's wedding to that English guy? <laughs> Is that it was right? O- it, was only, it was only like a couple of years ago where it actually came round to being that date and someone went through and like it was all the technology that was supposedly at yeah. that time. It's nothing. But anyway, so next up we have uh, Matt Latham's two-minute music roundup, which he has decided to call Cassette Tape. I'm Matthew Latham and you're listening to The Cassette Tape and this time I'm going to be talking about a music festival. Indie Tracks is a unique summer music festival which combines steam trains and indie pop music. It takes place at the Midland Railway Centre in the heart of the Derbyshire countryside. Visitors are free to enjoy steam train rides, railway attractions and museums, discos, arts and craft workshops, great food and a selection of real ales. And that's from the website directly because it's the best way of describing it. It's an indie pop festival with a bit of steam trains thrown in. Previous years that I've been there, St Etienne and the Wedding Presents have headlined alongside the pains of being pure at heart. And... I've just really enjoyed it. It's my kind of music. It's a nice, friendly atmosphere, and it's quite small as well. It's not overbearingly busy, so you don't feel like you're lost in a vast sea of people. The lineups have been great so far, but the lineup this year is brilliant. British Sea Power are headlining alongside Honeyblood and the Lovely Eggs. So I think the Lovely Eggs are headlining the Friday, which is the first night. Dreamwife, Girl Ray, Sacred Paws, Amber Arcade, Darren Heyman, Gwenow, Heiko Salute, Anna Birch. Loads of people, and I'm just so looking forward to it. As we jump to the fast forward, I'll just mention a couple of albums that are coming out in the next week or so. I've mentioned Natalie Prass in an earlier episode, so I'll remind you that The Future and the Past is out on the 1st of June. Also out on the 1st of June is Tancred's new album, Nightstand. Tancred released my favourite album of 2016 in Out of the Garden, so naturally when this album comes out, I'm going to be on it and listening to it as soon as I can. The singles, reviews, and The Queen of New York are just blown brilliant there's just something about it very catchy very direct very simple songs that tell you a lot and build a lot of story to them and that's it from me this is probably about the ninth or tenth attempt at recording something about music festivals because i was going to talk about a lot more but the topic of music festivals is so vast there are so many i just physically could not talk about them in a two to three minute period so i just focused on my favorite one that i saw i've been matthew latham and you've been listening to the set tape and if you're going to a music festival this year have fun stay safe Happy camping. In free play, we're going football crazy, football mad, as the domestic season came to a close at the weekend with Liverpool's uh, humiliating delightful. defeat. <laughs> oh, delightful. De- delightful defeat, You were yes. going to delightful, I was going humiliating defeat. I was quite in, happy uh, in... that they lost. I didn't quite like the manner that they did lose because of what's happened to the goalkeeper surrounding that. Uh, that's completely out of order, but let's just say I was, I was happy Madrid won. Hmm. I I was still rooting for Liverpool. Plus, plus as well, being a Southampton fan, the way that uh, Liverpool have conducted themselves over purchasing many of our players. Yeah, that's probably the worst thing for you, right? Virgil Van Dijk and um, Lallana, I guess, and some of the others. Uh, Van Dijk, Lana, Lambert, although no one begrudged him moving <laughs> yeah. to Liverpool as it was his boyhood club. He was the only one that wasn't begrudged. Nathaniel Klein, Dejan Lovren, mm. and there's probably another one that I'm missing. But They did know, seem to buy up half um, the squad at one point. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, as well as the uh, Champions League final, 
there were successes in the playoffs. Uh, championship, championship side Fulham beat Aston Villa, and I'm not at all gleeful about that. Being a Blues fan, I was I was very happy about that because I could not stand the fact that John Terry had it in his contract he did not have to play against Chelsea if they were in the Premier League just absolutely I thought that was farcical I can't stand John yeah, Terry fine. Um, but uh, it means that preparations are well and truly underway now for the FIFA World Cup in Russia uh, mm, World Cup fever yeah World Cup fever uh, FIFA 18's World Cup DLC came out on Tuesday this week uh, have you been playing FIFA at all recently Steve? I have. Um, I play Ultimate Team quite mm-hmm. a lot, although it, it's it's getting too serious. Ultimate Team. It's all geared up towards like the esports. Not the really good, like the pro. Yeah. The, yeah, like the pro FIFA players, and it's difficult for just your average uh, gamer to get into it. But I like the journey, the kind of story mode they've done over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. The stupid thing with that is they've had the perfect opportunity to carry it on to the World Cup and never have done. No, that's right. Um, but uh, I don't know if that's part of the DLC or not. I don't think it is, but it, that, that's that been actually quite a, an interesting thing to do with a, a sports mm-hmm. sim. And I, I believe from what um, Andrew Brooker said, they've done something similar with an NFL game as well, uh, EA's NFL game. I might be wrong on that, but yeah, that was good. And, and career mode's always good, and playing against your mates is always good Yeah, um, for a bit of bragging rights. So Yeah, that's Andrew Brooker, by the way, of gaming podcast Character Unlock, and who has been writing for Set the Tape quite recently. Um we also had the announcement last week that Roy Race will be returning for an all-new series of Roy of the Rovers comics, courtesy of Rebellion. I think the last Roy of the Rovers comic was in 2001. So a lot has changed in football since 2001. Mm. Um, it's going to be better than Striker in the back of the sun, isn't it? You would hope so. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it will be. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to that, actually. I'm kind of interested. I'm intrigued. I want to see what happens. Was Roy the Rovers? Did he play for Melchester Rovers? That's him. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's always this part of like, you know, football, you know, parlance, isn't it? If someone does something last minute, they've had their Roy the Rovers moment. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there was a season in the 70s, I think, where he scored 50 goals. And that was uh, part of the comic story. I mean, it'd probably be more realistic now, I guess, if he scored 50 goals in a season. Well, if Mo Salah and Messi and Ronaldo and Harry Kane are doing it, then why can't Roy the boy? Exactly. Why can't Roy race? But also on the website, on setthetape.com, we'll have some articles from you. You're going to be writing some stuff ahead of the World Cup about football films. Yeah, once my illness subsides and I can concentrate on things, yes, um, I'm going to be doing a series of articles on the best and worst of football movies. And there are more worst than there are best, Mm. by some way. Mm. Um, Give us us a name of some of them, then. The best for me are uh, Escape to Victory, which is cheesy as you like, but it's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, Mike Bassett, England manager, yep. um, which is um, fantastic uh, comedy. It's the England uh, which, B team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, send, which sends up the also excellent Graham Taylor documentary from the 90, uh, 90, was it 1994 qualifying campaign. Must have been. Yeah, um, where we failed to qualify for USA 94. So it sends up that documentary really well, but it also takes apart football from that time really well as well. It's not just sort of lower com- lowest common denominator comedy, which I think a lot of people think it is. The Damned United, which is based on the book Great of uh, yeah. Brian Clough's time at Leeds with Michael Sheen, 
that's fantastic. Well, I noticed as well from the discussions, were, uh, you, you're not going to cover any hooligan films, hooli films. No, because they're, they're, they're a different mm. breed, aren't they? They're a different thing. I mean, they're... Uh, football Factory, for example, they're, they're, is a good they're, they're, link, they're linked to football on a tangent, aren't they? There's not really a great deal of football on the, in them. It's more, you know, I'm more going to be looking at films which actually feature football. Um, so the Goal trilogy, which um, <laughs> goal goal one gets a bad rap. Goal one isn't bad, although there's some things that don't make any sense in there from a footballing point of view. Um, it's not that bad. Goal two and goal three are abysmal. Right. Um, and there's the the. the um, when Saturday comes with Sean Bean playing yes. for Sheffield United, mm-hmm. which is abysmal. Um, there's one with Ali McCoy, which I can't remember the name of, and that's also terrible. There's, there, like I said, there's a lot of terrible ones. I might find some more niche ones as well, like the uh, kind of feature length um, My Summer with Des, and it did for like Euro '96. Oh, um, interesting. So, yeah. and I will not neglect uh, Sky One's Dream Team in this as well, even though it's a TV show. Well, that's what I wanted if, to ask if, you if about. I, if, if I'm being given permission to talk about football media, uh, fictional football media, um, I will be talking about that. Well, your last uh, Dream Team article was quite popular. I think it was shared yeah. even by some of the cast members from the show. Um, yes. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure we will be looking forward to a bit more Dream Team. Yeah, uh, and I might look at some football documentaries as well. There's mm-hmm. a few cracking ones about... Um, Next goal wins from a while ago now, but back on Born Offside and Fail Critics. Managed to get some interviews from that one. It was about the American Samoan national team. Um, and like I've mentioned before, the impossible job Graham Taylor one and the most re- the more recent Paul Gascoigne documentary as well. Which I quite um, enjoyed. I thought that Gascoigne documentary was good. Yeah. Um, and there's some other ones like Zidane, a 21st century portrait where they just filmed him for a whole game. Hmm. Um but yeah, there's, there's a lot there's a lot out there and I will cover as much as I can in the run-up to this summer's uh, tournament. There's plenty of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading another Dream Team article. I mean, I didn't ever watch the TV show, but I... Still, really? Yeah, I still enjoyed that article. Oh, I'm telling you, if I could find the DVDs on it, I, it yeah. it's impossible to track down copies of. Um, it, was, it was fantastic in so many ways. <laughs> I'm sure. Thank you for listening to another episode of STT Rewind. You've been listening to me, Owen Hughes, and sets tape writer Steve Norman with special guest Matt Latham. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast from. You can help the show grow by sharing this episode on Twitter and Facebook, where you can find us on both platforms at Set The Tape. Don't forget to check out our website, setthetape.com, for regular daily articles including Steve's football articles, Callum's box office bonanza, and Arrested Development Series 5 pieces too. We'll be back in a fortnight's time, but until then, thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 